Welcome to Fargo Talks Fargo, an unofficial podcast on the FX television show. Fargo Talks Fargo is hosted by me, Bill Lempe, and my buddy Sharpie. Sponsors for this season of Fargo Talks Fargo are TAG, celebrating Fargo and the Midwest community through t-shirts, art, and graphics. For more information, visit tagfargo.com. And Fargo Brewing Company's Wood Chipper India Pale Ale with its bold hop flavor and velvety body. Grab a pint or visit them online at fargobrewing.com. All right, so here we are. We're doing Fargo Talks Fargo. Uh, we are doing another special episode, basically, which we've somehow decided we want to make even more things happen throughout the season for FX's Fargo. So we're very happy to have Julianne Emery with us today, who plays Ida Thurman. How are you doing, Julianne? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Oh, it's a fantastic morning in Fargo. I'm excited to be here. So, just a quick rundown, uh, I, and I thought of this because I, your bio says you're from Tennessee, correct? I am. I am a mountain girl, yes. I have to ask, Tennessee and places like that tend to have a, we're just going to talk accents for a minute. Yeah, and if we talk about Tennessee too much, I'm going to turn into a southerner really quick. But Really? Yeah, I. I you know, I they... I always say they beat it out of me in theater school. Um, I went to a a theater conservatory um, in St. Louis. And my first day of voice and speech class, we had to do sit down one-on-one and do this little recording. And um, so you could compare your accent as you went through. And the teacher looked at me. Her name was Betty Ann Liesberg-Lang. And she looked at me and she said, you're the worst I've ever had. So (laughs) I had like a, (laughs) which I didn't do with that. But I had a, a very thick, uh, Gomer Pyle is wrong, but I had a very thick mountain dialect. Really? Yeah. That is crazy to me. Yeah. Because I think people talk about the way we we do the, it here. And I mean, it's it's a big topic on the show. Um, and, you know, people here take it pretty, pretty seriously. Yes. Um, you know, some people are like, ah, who cares? We really do sound like that. There's, a, there's another kind of section of people who are like, that is not how we all sound. And it's you like... Know- Southerners are the same. Like where I'm yeah. from, no one hates anything more than seeing, seeing someone put on a Southern dialect mm-hmm. uh, because people most often get it wrong. And there are a world of degrees of dialect in the South. Um, and so nobody ever quite thinks anybody gets it right. I'm guessing it's the same there. We were really, everyone was really nervous about the dialect uh, walking into this. And, and there was a, a pretty big effort made to make it more real and grounded than exaggerated um, for the sake of comedy. So I, I don't know how you guys feel, but I actually was nervous coming on here today just um, because I know Tom is from, Tom Musgrave is from Fargo, right? <laughs> he's yeah. from, he's, well, he's from Valley City, which is uh, about 60 miles uh, west of Fargo. And then he went to college in, we have, we have like, I've always feel like Moorhead must feel super left out because we have a sister city that's just across the river. Uh-huh. We're, we're, a, we're a border town and nobody ever talks about Moorhead <laughs> when it comes to like this kind of stuff. That's may- well, maybe Noah Hawley will set a Fargo story in Moorhead. You never know. <gasps> Next I mean, season, maybe- season two. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, I always looked at Tom Musgrave and I was like, you bastard, because he didn't have to do any. Are we allowed to curse on here? You can say whatever you yeah. want. Okay. But but I was just, because I, I, he never had to do any dialect work and the rest of us are all walking around doing our lines and. I'm always arriving to set going, how quick can I see the dialect coach? You know, because, um, you know, it, you want to respect that. You want to respect the people. And you want yeah. to get your character right. You want to represent a real person in that space. So we were always trying to ground things. Yeah. 
Yeah, Tom like- does have that accent a little bit naturally. And speaking of like slipping back into accents, I thought as I listened back to that interview with Tom Musgrave, he was slowly sort of gradually slipping <laughs> and slipping right back into a Midwestern, like really thick, er, like rural North Dakota accent. It was pretty funny. Maybe yeah. he was just playing with us. He could have been. Yeah. He's that kind of guy. We walked around with it on set. Most of us stayed. I didn't stay in dialect all the time on set, but I leaned that way. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like I, I just held on to the vowels while I was just walking around all day um, because it's uh, easier to drop. It's harder to drop in and out completely than it is for me than it is to just sort of stay in it all day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know I have sister. I My, my sisters uh, went to college on the East Coast. Uh-huh. And uh she now lives on the West Coast. So she 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 used to she went to college at Vassar and now she lives in Seattle and <laughs> throughout for as many years as she's been away from Fargo, which is basically since 1989, her friends just do get a kick out of when I visit. I oh. don't think I have an accent, but I'm well aware that I actually do. Oh, dude, I live in either Los Angeles or New York and my family comes I'm from small town south on top of a mountain and they come visit and Everyone I know just wants to sit and talk to my family. They ask me to say certain words, and then I have to refuse because I say them really funny, I think. (laughs) I think it's charming. I like the Fargo dialect. I really like it. I really love it. I know there was a thing about the movie with the dialects being exaggerated, but I really, I think it's very charming. And, you know, there was this thing about Ida that I loved that I think is rooted in the people and the dialect. This just sort of sturdy steady really decent midwestern sensibility that i think is really fantastic i do think though you know you talk about fargo in the movie it it was received really strange here i think uh, i'll say but i mean that was 1996 um fargo is very very different than it was in 1996 and people's mindsets have changed a lot but i've always said in our podcast and what we've talked about that the same thing. Everybody from the South doesn't sound like that, but it doesn't stop people from using it, you know? And it doesn't mean that some people from the South don't sound like that. You, you know? It, it, so it depends on, I think, who your character is and what you're going after. But also, when the movie came out, we had never seen a movie like that. No. There had not been mm-hmm. a movie that played comedy to that degree with that kind of violence. It was, yeah. I mean, it, it sort of opened that door. Um, so... I think there was, you know, the movie became a hit later. I mean, it didn't, it became like a cult classic. It wasn't embraced so much. There, there were a lot of folks that didn't quite know what to do with the movie. No. Yeah. It's that uh, Shawshank redemption effect a little bit. Yeah. Because Shawshank kind of bombed in the theater. And now, you know, who hasn't seen it 16 times on TBS? Well, <laughs> it's and everywhere. It in every film school in the country. I mean, Shawshank is one of the best films of our time. And I think Fargo, it's that same thing. Yeah. 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 So I think there was a lot of like, they didn't know what to do with like a wood chipper and a pregnant cop and then add the dialects on top. (laughs) People weren't quite sure. They're like, am I supposed to be laughing? But there's, but they're kidnapping people and beating people. And and now we don't care about that. Now we're like, ha 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 ha. Look how he died. Yeah. (laughs) I think there's that sensibility here too, that, that, you know, Tom talked about, and he did it super, super well. Where he talks about how you just you rep- you just repress as much as you can, just like push it deep down inside you, and be like, "Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm doing good." But inside, you're like, 
fucking hate this. Yeah. <laughs> this is horseshit. But people don't do that because they're, they're, they're what, you know, it's the Minnesota nice thing does translate well to North Dakota. And, and it, that's just the way it is. And that's the way we are in, in a lot of ways. And so accents happen. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, part, that's part of it. And part of it is also, I mean, look, in the show, I'm at my husband's wake and we're talking about a dude getting killed with, by a hailstone in a parking lot of Dairy Queen. I mean, that's, we all grieve in our own ways. You know, we all deal in our own ways. Yeah. Yeah. And then a major part of the conversation is the flavor. Yeah. What, yeah, flavor? Well, what flavor was it? We did, because we did talk about that in a podcast, because we particularly enjoyed that scene. Because that's, yeah, we're strange people. No, I auditioned with that scene. And I was like, when I got cast, I was like, please let that scene stay intact. Please, please really? let the hailstone monologue stay intact. Yeah. So for you, did you specifically, um, you specifically auditioned for the role of Ida Thurman? I did. Yeah. Okay. Actually, first I auditioned for the role of Gina and um, oh, okay. they cast Kate Walsh. And then I don't know why they saw me. I mean, the roles could not be further apart. And then uh, they saw me <laughs> for Ida. Yeah. How did you, you know, because that, that transitions us really well to, like, how did you hear about that and and then get into, I mean, was it something you were like, oh, I heard about that. I'm going to talk to my agent and I want to get into that. Or was it the other way around where? No, my agents called me with the appointment and I, I had heard they were doing it and hoped I would get in. But you don't know, even if you hear that the project's happening, you don't necessarily know that there's a character for you. You, you know, you mm-hmm. don't know what they're, what they're casting or what they're not. So, right. um, and they were... They kept a pretty good lid on Fargo on the show. So it's not like it's not like the character breakdowns were leaking out or anything. So No. Yeah, you just have to hope you have a good agent. Yeah. How was that process for you? Did you did you work up a little bit of an accent before you went in there as much as you could? Did I did. I have, you know, I I have uh, a fair amount of in-laws in um Wisconsin and my roommate my first two years of college was from Minneapolis. Oh, we used to make we used to mix up each other's dialects and make fun. Like she'd say, "Hey, y'all, want to go get some tacos?" And so, <laughs> my um, so we used to make fun of each other's dialects that way. So I I think I uh, I had a little I sort of melded those two, and um, and then I watched the movie and listened and sort of pulled back from there because I knew they were going more grounded with it, but. Yeah, uh, it was kind of a mashup. That I, I think in the audition they just want to know you can lean that way, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. How many? We're, we're, we we've made a conscious effort to avoid questions that are hopefully you know ones you're like seriously don't fucking ask that question again. So we're not even going to talk about Calgary and being cold because there you go, everybody. It's fucking cold in Calgary. Let me tell you something. I had snow <laughs> pants and I wore them with pride. I mean, <laughs> It was cold. It was cold. You, you got to get the, uh, it's, it's all about the long johns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't have that much stuff outside, uh, shooting mm-hmm. wise, but you know, the scene with the paint cans, I, I had bare legs and it was four degrees. It was still late November then. So it wasn't terrible. It wasn't awful, but you know, it's four degrees with bare legs. So that, yeah. I feel like you're telegraphing this for me because I actually have a question about that scene <laughs> that I wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I yeah. really like the scene. We talked about it. Obviously, it was very a very poignant moment in the episode, and I was kind of curious how much setup happened around that. Did it like happen in an instant? You know, sometimes you shoot a scene, 
and the DP and all the people have like done everything they need to do and you can show up and you can have your moment and they, it doesn't take a lot of takes. I was, I was curious if that took a lot of work or a little bit of work because it was just so set up and it was written to be a, a very specific way. And um, It was written really beautifully and specifically that way. And I don't think there are a lot of writers that would write that scene with no dialogue. Yeah. Uh, that would trust to actresses to have that moment um, without overwriting it. And I thought that was really well done on Noah's part. Um, I will tell you, I shot, because of the location situation, I shot all of my first episode in one day. Really? So it was me from the top of the day to the end of the day in that house. And that was the last thing we shot of the day. So usually the last thing you shoot of the day, you're rushed because you're probably running a little late. Mm-hmm. So um, I think we did, on my coverage, we did three, maybe four takes. Um, but they set it up pretty quickly and, you know, we changed clothes. And, you know, it's interesting. I, you, you just, you have to put, you, you have to prep up and know that you're going to be in that headspace for it. And then you just ho- hope that it's, I don't know, that the acting gods are with you and that, um, and that it plays on the day, you know. I mean, luckily, yeah. Allison and I, She's a doll, and we had sort of an instant connection, as I did with Sean Doyle. So that day felt pretty easy, but it was it was long and intense, and that was at the end of it. I mean, in some ways, it was great. I got to play out my journey of the episode all sort of together. So um, yeah, that had to be interesting to be able to do that with no like you didn't have any continuity issues for that entire day. You it was all there. Not really. We we didn't quite go in order, scene by scene. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. Get around, but yeah, but yeah. But you got it all done in that day. But we got it all done in that day. So it was a long, wow. exhausting day because when it's all you, it's you know, that's a very specific focus and not something you normally do as a guest star. Um, that's something normally that happens to you if you're the lead of a show. But mm-hmm. um, but it was it was nice. It was really great. Yeah, and Sean Doyle's so love. You, it's really sad I didn't have more with him. Um, you say that you and Allison had sort of an instant connection, and throughout the show, it's sort of like this un, unspoken sort of tone between the two characters, uh, between Ida and Molly. I assume that that helped quite a bit. Do you think you could have... I mean, it seems like it just naturally shown through that, that sort of bond that you ladies had. Do you think that that would have been a lot more difficult had you not had that immediate instant connection? Yeah, I mean, I think it's possible to get there. If you don't, it's just harder. Um, But it certainly helps. And um, I always felt like Ida, after Vern's death, becomes Molly's big sister in a lot of ways. And that's my function on the show. And... um, Right. Um... And Allison and I had that kind of automatically. So that, that certainly made it easier. But we also were both really conscious of knowing, you know, we go bits of time before we see each other again. So we were conscious of knowing sort of what happened in between those things and bringing that to the scene. You know, the hospital scene was really heavy electric in the room. And you never know how much of that is going to play camera-wise. But um, that whole scene of talking about Vern's death while absolutely not talking about Vern's death. Um, we both, we didn't want to cry during the scene because I thought it was wrong. And I cried during the wide shot out the window. Like we, we did, mm-hmm. it, 
you know, we, we both would get to the end of the scene and just start crying because we were trying to not play that. We were trying to do that bear down kind of thing and take care of each other. Yeah. How much into the future uh, within the storyline are you aware of when you're acting out scenes like that? Or do you not know any? Um, it, sometimes you know a little. Usually you only have the scene, the, the, the episode that you're working on. Um, it really depends on the writers. It depends on the creator. Sometimes they'll give you a heads up about where something's going. If it's something gigantic, usually you they'll just pull you aside and say, this is where this is going to go so that you can okay, lay it okay. in. But a lot of times you have to guess and hope for the best, you know. I think it would be helpful to not know because then you're sort of even more immersed in this separate universe. Yeah, in some ways you want to play out a day in the life of the character, right? In other ways, right. knowing where it's going affects how you build relationships with other characters. So it's helpful to know a certain amount, you know? Okay. Like for the writers to do their thing and I like to do my thing and see where we meet, you know? But yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. And I like to arc things out, so that would that would include sort of knowing where something is going instead of acting in a vacuum, scene by scene. But yeah. so talking about that kind of unspoken bond that that Molly and Ida have, I mean, and I know you maybe won't be able to speak to too much of this, but we'll just see what happens. Uh, I thought it was really interesting in the scene at Luz, where I I couldn't help but thinking that they had such a bond, that big sister thing uh, going on, and that Molly was had such a, you know, we we got them, the right guys in jail kind of thing, thing in Molly's face and just her body language was saying, you know, like she's going to cough and be like, bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she can't. And I, I, I told Sharpie uh, before we got on here that I said I couldn't help but think if that bond is still there or if over the course of the year they haven't had as much time together anymore. And it's because I, I kept thinking, oh, is Ida going to pick up on this? And... Now she's maybe she's laying in her bed, you know, kind of feeling the same way where we're okay. Uh, like like Molly, you know, I just don't know. I felt like they had such a I'm making hand gestures, and nobody who's listening to this later will understand what I'm doing. Um, they had that thing, and then I I just have a hard time believing that it was uh, broken down enough that she maybe wasn't picking up on it, but understood that it wasn't a good time. That's so, just my thought. So I think that there's a lot about Ida. For example, we never really see Ida cry. We see her get the news, and then we see her at the wake taking care of everybody else. I think Ida goes home and cries in her bed alone. Right, yeah. Um, and she takes care of everybody else. And so for my money, um, Ida knows that Molly's not settled on the whole thing, and there's probably something bothering her. Mm-hmm. But she's not going to rock that boat, you you know, unless Molly's ready to talk about it. um, She's not quite going to go there. I mean, if there's an inkling for her, which I think there is, um, she's going to want to take care of the baby, take care of life, take care of everybody else and hope that it works itself out in the end. I I think a lot of, uh, um, a lot of her core is taking care of everybody else and, and then, taking those worries home with her in, in, in private, even around Molly. Yeah. They even dance, you know, even in the hospital scene, they dance around it for a second and then they get off of it real quick. Yeah. 
Yeah. She eats it. She just, I'm going to eat it. I'm going to keep it inside. Smiles and eats it. She, she smiles and makes everything okay. How Midwest. Yeah. Very Midwestern. And Vern did the same thing for that matter. You know, I mean, they, 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 uh, they're, they are those people. And I always thought that was the core of her actually. Yeah. Yeah. All the way down to the paint. <laughs> All the way down to the paint. Even though it's a minor gripe, but he's just like, oh, that Ida. <laughs> she's so crazy. <laughs> he hangs up the phone and they just didn't show us the scene where she's like, what the fuck is she doing? <laughs> I know. <laughs> My fucking wife. No. Oh, that crazy gal. I love her. <laughs> Hopefully she's making a tuna hot dish. I wrote this thing in my in my character work uh, because we have that moment uh, Vern and I do at the table where we talk about the guy with the underpants and we both kind of grin at each other. And I was like, oh, that's why she married him. She thinks he's such a crack up. Yeah. That's their version of a raucous night at home is that Woo. dinner scene is like, oh, <laughs> we just laugh our asses off. You know, oh, I, I, had, I, I slightly was like, did they just say underpants? <laughs> yes. Yes, it's true. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I've I've yet to hear the word underpants used very much in my entire 37, 38 years being alive in this town. But a drama on FX, there you go. Yeah, I know, the, the things, you know, underpants on one end of the spectrum, and Gina Hess, I let you come inside me on the other end. Oh my God, I, I <laughs> oh, had that scene played and I was like, she went there. Okay, we went. I like FX for that reason. Yeah, I do too. I actually think John Landgraf runs FX now. I think he's really brilliant. I think their their current lineup of shows is insanely impressive. Yeah, I we I think we did some preseason shows like yeah, and I I talked a little bit about how I was actually happy it landed at FX rather than say, don't get me wrong, I love HBO. I watch a lot of HBO shows, but. I was actually quite happy that they landed at FX because I've been into a lot of FX shows like all the way from, you know, you can go way back, but I mean, even just more recently, The Americans, I'm a big fan of Justified and I like the way they're doing things and they're, they're, they're edgy without having to be super full blown yeah, boobs everywhere HBO. And they're not afraid to take risks. I like, they do a lot of experimentation with storytelling um, and you just don't see that on big networks anymore. They're, on On the bigger networks... It's mostly a lot of like safe moves, um, and with F- yeah, I mean the bigger networks. That's what they are, and they're homogenized. And FX, mm-hmm. yeah. they're, they're the bigger networks are trying to appeal to the biggest common denominator. They're, you know, so everything gets sort of pushed toward the middle. But FX right. has embraced its niche. They know what their niche is. They've embraced it, and they've really they're, it's amazing. You know, Fargo. The pace of Fargo a lot of times plays out far slower than anything I've seen on television in a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's, they're, they're really, it's, it's interesting what they're doing. And, you know, they just, we, FX as a channel just raked in a ton of Critics' Choice Awards. And I think we're seeing them take over, you know, overtake AMC right now. I think we're sort of seeing them really make their move in, in the cable world. Yeah, in terms it's, of cre- creating yeah. really great, really great um, drama that, they all seem to, a lot of those shows have like a certain amount of just that dark humor along with it. You know, it's not, it's not yeah. just full blown, you know, I mean, Sons of Anarchy, there's always hilarious moments in that. There's yeah. tons of really funny moments in Justified and maybe not even the Wilfred. Americans. Yeah, Wilfred. The Americans, 
Not so much. <laughs> so much, but Louie, I mean, you know. Oh God, yeah. I don't know that Louie gets picked up as a comedy anywhere else, as a half-hour show. I mean, Louie is brilliant and so specific, and who picks that up, you know? It's, yeah. Yeah, and, and that, that sort of humor has infiltrated their dramas, too. It's really great. It's a great network. I'm really proud to be on it. And speaking of sort of uh, new paradigms, you've been experimenting with some online uh, content as well, right? Yeah, um, it's been a while. Like four years ago, I I uh, um, I wrote the pilot for a web series just to see if I could, and um, and that turned into twenty one episodes of a web series called Then We Got Help. Um, we're still up at thenwegothelp.com. Um, and it's beyond micro budget. We shot it on one hundred and fifty dollar camcorders from Best Buy. Uh, mm-hmm. Um. With some, you know, shotgun mics and stuff, but it was uh, it was uh, a great experiment for me as a writer director. Um, and we have amazing actors. And my husband is a um, like a Broadway actor, um, so we just both pulled in pals that we love that have a great temperament and great talent at the same time. And um, and it was it's really uh, it's fun. It was a a challenge and um and I love that space. I'm very proud to be in the digital space. Um I'm talking about doing some more web series. Uh and it started me sort of on a filmmaking track that I won't get off of. Uh, I'm writing a couple of pilots right now for production companies in LA and um I'm grateful to the digital world for for opening that door. But it's I mean, it's a different that space, you know, at that time we shot on little consumer grade camcorders and we got attention. You know, we won some awards and uh got included in write-ups and variety and uh now the space is much larger and harder to enter, I think. I mean, Hulu is doing long long form content and Machinima now is a- a- acting like a studio for for digital content. So it's a it's a great world. It's an interesting world, and for for uh, creatives, I think it's it's uh, really good news that that world exists. It's a great place to cut your teeth. It's a great place to get your foot in the door. It's possible to still experiment in that world. I mean, it, the digital world created small business television, and we have never had that before. We all we only ever had corporate television, right? Yeah. So, so there are communities that are being spoken to in the digital world that don't get content for themselves anywhere else. Um, so it's, uh, I'm, I'm really proud to be part of that world. It's good. Rock on. So in that though, I did, I did notice we're, we're just break away from Fargo to talk about you a little bit. Um, because uh, I see that working on that was, uh, Susan Ferrara. Yeah. And is that, that, is that the same project you're currently working on now? No, I'm directing. Did she write? I'm who, she's a playwright, actually, okay. and and also an actress. Obviously, she was on my web series. Um, she's Sam McMurray actually plays her dad on my web series. That she she's quite wonderful on it. But she, I am directing a one woman show that she wrote, and That's uh, right, yeah, yeah, and it's we're currently doing a, a workshop of it through Terra Nova. Here we have a reading on the 16th at Cherry Lane in New York, um, and in the fall it'll be part of the United Solo Festival off Broadway. Okay, um, yeah. I just I wanted to touch on that a little bit because actually I if I if I'm remembering correctly New York uh, state in general is actually our third largest audience. 
Oh wow! Um, in terms Thanks. of listening to our podcast, um, so actually it's number two. I think it might be. So I just wanted to give you a chance to talk about that because we have people there and where they can go and and check because it's the wonder, right? Yeah, the wonder. It's called the wonder, and I will have the information up on my website. I don't yet, but I have been tweeting about it. Um, but the so the sixteenth, we're doing the reading at Cherry Lane, and then um, October twenty ninth, we go up at United Solo um, at, on Theater Row off Broadway. So yeah, come on out. It's a great show. She's a brilliant actress. It's my first directing gig on stage. I've directed some short films and obviously my my web series, but um, it's it's exciting because it's an exciting piece. Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah, it's good I'll stuff. To, I'll try to send my uh, my friend lives. I have a couple friends who live in New York. All. Oh yeah, send them out if they. Come I will tell alert them. I can say hi. I will be there at every performance. That's fantastic. So. I feel like, uh, coming back to Fargo, I feel like we're not done with Ida yet, are we? You probably can't say it, but I'll just... Well, know. that would be a spoiler, so... Um. <laughs> well, I feel like they're not going to mention they're not going to mention an anniversary get-together uh, and not see you. So I hope I hope we see you again, because I have this feeling Molly's going to melt at your party and tell you that Lester's an, a jerk, because he's going to show up at the party and she's going to uh. murder him with like some sort of cake-slicing tool. Just kidding. It's um, not gonna happen. She's yeah, Molly's I, smarter than that. Molly's smarter than that, and um, and in a no spoilery way, I love, <laughs> I love Ida. I loved playing with this group, and it's um, it's an it's an honor, and I uh, I hope that we will all be back together in some form or other down the road. For season two, Morehead. So, well, I don't <laughs> season two, you know, they they're they're if, if if there is a season two, it'll be another Fargo story. Yeah, so yeah, everything. <laughs> Yeah, so, so, but, but, you know, I hope we all run into each other in various ways. And I was just going to say, speaking of honor, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thanks a lot for uh, uh, offering the time and we look forward to your future projects and we'll kind of keep an eye and, and keep in touch. Thanks fellas. I have some stuff brewing. I'm not allowed to talk about yet, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll reach out and let you know. We can't wait to hear. Thanks so much, Julianne. Thanks a lot, guys.